0: Welcome to the MBA Jam Podcast with your host, Avinash Bajaj. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of the MBA Jam. This is your host and founder, Avinash. Today, we're speaking to someone who has worked in some of the very well-known startups in India. Today, we're speaking to Kartik Patiar. Kartik has a diverse experience in marketing and sales across different domains, from industrial engineering in the B2B space to FMCG in the B2C space and going on to online retail and e-classified space in the C2C space that is a consumer-to-consumer space, like almost like a marketplace space. Um, Kartik currently works as Director of National Accounts at Swiggy, a popular startup based out of Bangalore in India. Prior to this, he has worked as Senior Manager at Flipkart for two years before which he worked as a regional manager at OLX. The other top firms Karthik has worked at are Mondelez International and Procter & Gamble. Karthik has done his MBA from SBJ Institute in India and has also done an exchange program at ESB Business School in Germany. Karthik, welcome to the show.
1: Uh, thanks, Avinash. Uh, pleasure to be on the show. And uh, thank you for inviting me.
0: Yeah, No problem at all. Pleasure is all ours. Um, so, Kartik, you know, as I very briefly mentioned about your background, of course, I may not have done the complete justice. So, you know, how would you like to describe your own journey in your own words?
1: Uh, sure. Uh, so uh, probably I'll, I'll kind of go for it, you know, kind of chronologically. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Uh, go for it. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, so uh, I, I was born in Delhi, in uh, in the northern part of India, uh, but uh, uh, you know my entire upbringing was uh, largely in Bangalore. Uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: So I'm more of a more of a Bangalorean than uh, than a- any other part of the country. Uh, so I did my schooling in Bangalore itself, and uh, post my schooling, uh, you know, uh, after after finishing my plus two, uh, I actually did uh, my mechanical engineering, and uh, so I'm an engineer by background. And mechanical engineering was also something that, you know, I took by choice. Uh, so, four years after my mechanical engineering, I did my first job uh, with a company which was into, you know, uh, uh, manufacturing of cutting tools for machining application.
2: Mm.
1: It was uh, it was a very interesting job because, you know, after engineering, uh, I directly got to work with that company. Uh, while it was a very hardcore mechanical kind of a sector that I joined, the opportunity that I got with Kenna Metal was in their sales and marketing team. And typically, uh, that that's a little hard to come by, you know. A fresh engineering grad, typically in India, you know, at and at that point of time, which was you know around 2007, 2006. Yeah. Uh, at that point of time, most people were most engineering grads, irrespective of which stream you pass out of, typically landed up in a Infosys, TCS, Accenture kind of uh, roles. Yeah. Uh, so, exactly. I consciously. Yeah, so, so I consciously moved towards a sector where I had studied and done my engineering, which was mechanical engineering.
0: Yeah, and I can uh, really understand that because coincidentally, you know, when I was checking yeah. your LinkedIn profile, it looks like we did yeah. a bachelor's pretty much at the same time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, so yeah, that's, that's, that's coincidence. So I really uh,
0: understand, you know, the times.
1: Yeah. Exactly, <laughs> at, so it, was, it was really the, the, you know, the IT boom and there was yeah. a lot of uh, the services sector that was really into hiring and uh, so so you know I, I took a conscious call that you know let's let's take a you know let's at least you know start my career in in something that i've studied with and mechanical was something that i'd studied so so uh, while i had an offer from uh, another it company as well mm. i i ended up joining Kenametal, and uh, Kenametal gave me an opportunity to actually first you know work while it was a technical uh, it was a technical kind of a job i had the opportunity to work directly in frontline sales uh, so that was my first stint with you know the sales and marketing uh, portfolio per se. So I handled a territory within uh, within the country. So I handled North Karnataka as a region. So you know Hubli, Dharwad, Belgaum, mm. Goa. So I used to take care of uh, take care of customers turnkey solutions when it comes to you know what what all machining applications that a customer does on his or her shop floor, and then try and understand that and provide turnkey solutions for that. So it was very interesting because, you know, at, at a very early stage in my career, my first job, literally, you know, you I, I got to I got to understand what what, a cons, you know, customer interaction takes, uh, got to understand, you know, the entire sales process and got to own numbers at a very early stage in the career. So that was that was interesting.
0: Yeah. So uh, did, you, did you opt for that kind of a role or did it just happen to you?
1: <laughs> so uh, while i did definitely opt in for uh, for this sector mm. like i like i chose kenametal over let's say an it job that i all, also had f- after my uh, campus placement from engineering uh, but uh, as i as i went through the rounds within kenametal and kenametal again had a very different kind of hiring process you know it was the first time they were doing campus hiring so they were also being a little experimentative, wherein you know they pick people from various RECs, nit's and couple of you know reputed engineering colleges in bangalore and then they actually kind of mixed the lot and said that, you know, we'll check you for aptitude and some of you will go to sales, mm-hmm. some of you will, will go into R&D, some of you will go into operations. And uh, I, for one, kind of, opt, uh, I, I for one tried to opt into sales and, and as luck would have it, you know, I also landed there. So
0: Right. So why uh, why did you opt in for sales? Like, did you already know that you might be having an aptitude for sales? Like, at what point did you think that, hey, I could be good at this? <laughs>
1: Uh, see, very honestly, I mean, it was too early at that point in yeah. time for me to realize whether I have aptitude for sales or, you know, whether I'll understand what it takes to face a customer, do negotiations, etc. But I think what I was definitely looking for at an early stage in my career was exposure, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, while, while you, you know, with all due respect, I think uh, a, a field like R&D, a field like operations also gives you a lot of exposure in your specialized line. I think what it really, uh, sales really opens a plethora of opportunities simply because you go to very different diverse consumer uh, shop floors, try and understand what's happening there, try and understand, you know, uh, uh, how am I able to solve or add value towards uh, uh, what my consumer, uh, what my customer is kind of uh, uh, doing. Uh, so that gives you a lot more diverse exposure in terms of, uh, you know, what you see, what you understand. And, and I think it's a very good learning ground. Like, uh, yeah. like even, even today, I mean, the, the role that I'm do- doing in Swiggy is largely a sales role and even mm-hmm. today the learning doesn't stop because you know uh, every day a customer has a new challenge that that uh, that he faces and he kind of reaches out to you in the in the expectation of uh, jointly problem solving with you so so that that's that's fundamentally uh, something that i was drawn towards and uh, and yeah of course it was a lot of luck because i ended up landing in sales as well right so yeah, so yeah absolutely it was, it was a, no i mean I, both. I i love that
0: aspect you know because looking back i wish i had started in sales or marketing very early on in my career because it's only later on in my career i was like shit you know i i went into the traditional um, engineering route and that's that's not because i wanted to but that's that, that, that's because we're easier to go there and you know right. our institutions and universities also do such a bad job at training us in anything sales or marketing because sales is so fundamental in so many things you do I think even good right. engineers become better if they understand those uh, fundamentals exactly. so I, I wish I would have done that that's why I was really you know fascinated by the fact that you did get the opportunity early on
1: yeah, and and uh, I, I think uh, I think there, there were multitudes of uh, you know uh, I I would say uh, positive rub-offs of that. So one of mm-hmm. course is the exposure and and uh, and and, a, and and I worked there for three years, so uh, so in terms of a territory understanding the geography, understanding nuances of customers there was was definitely one positive. And I think the second biggest positive that that eventually turned out for me was that. Uh, uh, you know I mean the whole uh, The whole SPJN Admission process hmm. Became a lot more Differentiated for me uh, As against Let's say Other candidates Also competing for a seat Within that B school Simply because I had a very different profile When it Correct. came to a guy Who had finished His engineering And probably worked for 2-3 years And now he's applying For MBA Because uh, I still remember You know uh, SPJN has, has an Admission process Of group It's called Group interviews So yeah. it's like a it's it's like a fusion between group discussions and personal interviews wherein you know five people are interviewed together by a by a panel of four or five yeah so uh, the upside that you know i i i found you know having having worked for 3 years in a sales in a traditional manufacturing setup was that uh, i had a very different profile than the other four people who were sitting with me giving the gis because all of them were again you know it services companies typically working in a uh, infosys tcs accenture kind of a role and and here I was who had a very different background. So, it kind of hence created a lot of conversation points for me within that, uh, you know, uh, group yeah. interview itself. So, kind of helped me to also secure an admission, I would say, uh, post my three years there. Because then it helped me to, it helped me not only just to get into SPGN, but also SPGN has specializations. So, it helped me to secure, uh, you know, sales and marketing as a specialization in, in SPGN. So, I think, yeah, that that was also uh, a uh, step forward towards uh, me moving into, you know, doing yeah. an MBA.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Awesome. So, you know, out of curiosity, which which university did you do the bachelor's from? Uh,
1: so, I did my bachelor's from VTU, Visvesvaraya Technological University, and uh, the college was the MS Ramaya College.
0: Ah, uh, so did, that's good. Yeah. I I did my bachelor's from RNSIT
1: oh okay 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 very nice oh okay yeah yeah okay Great.
0: okay good good i i wasn't able to find the information but I was really uh, curious as well cool 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 Ah okay
1: okay yeah yeah so uh, yeah i i passed out of uh, msrid in in, uh, in 2007 right and uh, so yeah so uh, post that again a three-year stint with uh, with kenna metal up yeah. to
0: 2010
1: yeah and 2010-12 uh, was the time that uh, you know i i i thought you know okay let's 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 uh, Let's move ahead in terms of, you know, making the next step towards career progression. Yeah. And that's when I decided to do my MBA. So Fantastic. 10-12 was, was when I did my nice. MBA. You
0: nice. Know, and in see. fact, again, you know, coincidentally, that's the same time I did my MBA. <laughs> oh,
1: okay. <laughs> Great. So, yeah, lots of, uh, you know, overlapping. Yeah, coincidences, exactly. So, to speak. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. so, I mean, why did you decide to do your MBA? At what point did that thought trigger uh, in your mind saying, hey, probably MBA is the next route that I won't take?
1: Uh, yeah, a couple of things actually, and and uh, to be honest, uh, uh, you know, while 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 uh, my my engineering job was pretty good in terms of you know the exposure, and since I was doing sales, it was fairly fun. Uh, I also thought thought of it as 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 a more of a career enhancement move, uh, largely from the point of view that uh, uh, see a uh, an MBA kind of opens up a lot more opportunities in terms of sectors that you want to approach. So while uh, let's say I I was fairly confident that you know. Sales and marketing is something that I can pick up. I've done it for the last three years. I can probably go ahead and do it. Uh, but then, uh, uh, let's say, moving into or exploring newer sectors becomes a very big challenge if you're doing it standalone, especially, you know, if the if, if it's a very competitive space like the Indian market. Uh, if you want to, let's say, move sectors. So, for example, uh, uh, you know, after doing my MBA and, and during my MBA itself, I actually interned with an FMCG. And post my MBA, also I kind of my first my first job post my MBA was also in FMCG. Mm. Uh, to think about sector switch like that, which is you know industrial cutting tools to FMCG, would have been if not impossible, next to impossible from yeah. a, from a non you know without without having an MBA background. Uh, but I think more important than the sector switch for me, it was also about gaining more exposure, uh, right? So and and in fact most uh, most of the most of the uh, you know decision making framework in my mind has largely been around you know how can i learn more how can i gather more information how can i get more exposure i mean largely the decisions in my in my life is largely driven by the fact that am i going to learn something new am i going to get exposed to something new am i going to do something you know uh, that's that's going to fuel excitement for me so yeah. i think mba also was stemming out of that wherein you know it's not just about you know getting let's say the the next offer the better job etc it's more about am i going to learn something new am i going to get a better exposure so that is something that really drove me in terms of you know uh, going ahead pursuing an mba and and yeah looking yeah. forward
0: to that yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. that's that's a, that's a really fair point because because you know uh, in in some cases like in my case i did the mba because for me it was making the shift from engineering to something in business so i but in your right. case you had already made that shift so of course yeah. in your case it was more about making an industry shift because as you said you could have done it but uh, an MBA just opens up the, the exposure and probably just allows you to, you know, blend into something little easier as compared to right. uh, not having that, I see.
1: Right. And there are a lot of intangibles that also come in that mm. uh, that probably you don't realize when you're kind of applying for an MBA. <laughs> but you re- re- realize it retrospectively, which is largely in terms of, uh, uh, A, the peer group that you build, right? I mean, typically mm. uh, in, an, in an MBA kind of a setup... Uh, uh, you unlike unlike engineering, I would say, I mean, you have uh, a slightly more mature peer group who is who is now looking at you know uh, uh, you know advanced uh, like how do you build a career in 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 a in a far more advanced method. Yeah. And secondly, uh, not just the peer group, I think you also have a diverse exposure because uh, I I you know since I I did my MBA in Bombay, uh, you you typically had uh, of course you know a very very good set of professors who kind of. Uh, Uh, took you through the course, but you also had a lot of industry interaction that happened because a lot of, uh, you know, finance companies are based out of Bombay, a lot of FMCG majors are based out of Bombay. So you had a lot of people who used to come in give guest lectures on Saturdays, Sundays. So that that actually gave you a lot of exposure towards uh, industries and sectors that you otherwise wouldn't have, you know, really gone gone ahead and researched even right so it gives you a very good uh, playground very good uh, exposure towards very diverse uh, kind of sectors that you wouldn't have thought of otherwise
0: yeah yeah very good point very good point so so besides SPJN which are the other universities you did um, consider and why did you finally decide on you know SPJN
1: uh see largely for me uh, i think uh, as i said right so uh, spjn was giving a specialized mba mm. which was largely in the form of uh, you know uh, at the time of admission it was it was you know an mba in sales and marketing and i uh, since i had already had uh, some amount of uh, work experience already in sales and marketing that's largely what i wanted to leverage right, right. Uh, because uh, and S P G is one of the few institutes that actually gives you, a, 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 you know, a PGDM, a diploma in in uh, marketing itself. Hmm. Uh, like most of the other institutes, they give you a generic diploma and then there's a major minor depending on the electives. Uh, here, I think uh, this really worked out pretty well for me because uh, I, I had an experience that I could leverage going ahead. Uh, be it, you know, placements within the B school, be it, you know, uh, be it, uh, you know uh, let's say job opportunities after my first job as well. Uh, i really could leverage the sales experience that i had post uh, pre mba
2: hmm. because
1: many a times what happens is that uh, you you do you do some amount of work before your mba and then you do your mba and suddenly all that work experience is nullified right i mean yeah. and and that that's like good amount of years that you spend you know working and you know trying True. to build your uh, build your aptitude build your skill and uh, if that gets nullified of course you know it's 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 some kind of a dent it, it it some people still do it you know and probably for the right reasons because they're looking for shifting sectors uh, shifting skill sets altogether. for me it was really there so i really wanted to leverage it and kind of uh, you know spjn gives gives you that specialized uh, uh, you know uh, the degree as well and uh, outside of that i think uh, one of the big reasons for choosing spjn is that uh, uh, you know, I think from a from an approach perspective, when it comes to uh, uh, the pedagogy and you know the way mm-hmm. the way the entire course is conducted, I think it's 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 a very very holistic approach that's taken. It's mm. not necessarily a pure uh, you know cutthroat business uh, kind of environment that's <laughs> created in SPJ, uh, and and I really I, I really appreciate the fact that you know uh, when I say holistic, uh, you know for example we had a couple of very very interesting. Uh, 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 ideas in SPJN which were part of the entire curriculum so you know one example of that is uh, uh, you know we we didn't have summer internships with uh, with organizations or, or corporates hmm. we had summer internships with NGOs I and see. we used to have autumn internships with corporates so uh, what that did is of course it gives you two internships as a student which is great you know very good CV pointers so to speak but uh, I think the bigger thing is uh, it gives you an exposure to working with an NGO working in an unstructured environment working towards you uh, in some way, uh, trying to understand what are the s- basic societal issues that certain NGOs are trying to work towards and solve, and uh, when you go in as a as a as a as a business grad or you know uh, you mm. know a striving business grad, you actually think about their problems and try to think about how do I scale this, you know, how do I make this business viable, because you you also understand that while whatever the NGO is doing is largely not for profit, but at the same time, how do I scale this to ensure that they can sustain operations, they can run. Uh, you know, in a, in a in a better manner. So I think that that kind of gives you a very, very holistic perspective about not just, you know, business and, you know, what you want to drive in terms of profits and bottom lines, but in terms of what are you doing towards, you know, uh, helping society or, you know, helping at least people who are trying to make a difference to society. So I think that's that's a very, very fundamental difference in perspective that SPGN brings. So yeah. I think that's, that's wonderful.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. I had no idea that, you know, I I, I did see on your LinkedIn profile that you did an internship at Sahas Zero Waste. I guess that's the one you're talking about, uh, the NGO yeah. where you did. That's really good. I had no idea that, uh, you know, that the institute is kind of rolling this into their normal structure. That, that's that's pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, and uh, there are a couple of initiatives, actually. So mm. while this, of course, is like, uh, is like is, is something that stands out because you understand, you know, how... How let's say Sahas, for example, Sahas is, is basically into e-recycling, uh, waste management, mm. and composting, etc. So, so uh, a, I got a hands-on experience with what all Sahas was doing in terms of operations, in terms of activities. Uh, actually, kind of my internship projects was, you know, uh, in terms of uh, how do I take to market some of the e-waste products. So they were recycling products and making mm. paper, etc. Out of it, you know, how do I, how do I take that to market so that they can start, you know, um, making some revenue in terms of sales and hence, you know, how can they sustain their business. And uh, so, that was, of course, I think one great learning. And I think the second thing that, you know, SPJN really brings about very differently is is a program called Abhudaya. Hmm. Uh, which largely, you know, uh, see, Bombay has a lot of slums, right? So, I mean, yeah. in fact, if you look at most Hollywood movies, you know, when they, <laughs> when they show slum, it's it's generally, you know, Dharavi or, you know, some part of Bombay. So, uh, a very good opportunity that you have in SPJN is basically for the entire two-year uh, period, you know, you you have the opportunity to own or, you know, actually mentor one slum child.
2: I see.
1: Uh, for the entire period, I think that's that's fundamentally very great because you know, uh, a for the first time in my life I entered a slum, right? so I entered a slum house. Right. Understood. You know uh, what it looks like from inside. What 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 are the kind of you know I mean what are the ideologies of the people who live there? You know you know yeah. how do they think? And and uh, and what and their aspirations are not very different from yours and mine, right? I mean they they also aspire to get right. educated get a job you know do well for themselves so uh, i think this was a really eye-opening experience because it teaches you a lot about you know being grounded uh, being being of the sense that okay you know while i've done you know whatever i've done in terms of getting into a good b school getting a job it it keeps you grounded because you understand that you know there's a whole lot of life out there that's yeah that's that's probably wanting to be in the same position as you are so you feel really privileged you feel really grounded but you also feel that you know you you can you can in some small way kind of impact another life. Yeah so that's, uh, that's that's another great thing that the institute kind of drives in the form of uh, mentorship for slum children.
0: Yeah, absolutely no that, that's really fascinating. Are they, are they still doing it or was it just an initiative for a couple of years? Do you know of that?
1: Uh, so it's it so it, it's still on. I mean, it's a part of the course curriculum. Right. Wherein, you know, you have you have like proper assignments that you submit, wherein you know you you have a journal entry that goes in after your every meeting with us, with, the, with the with your mentee. Yeah. And you actually at the end of the course, and of course, I think two three times in between, uh, those journal entries are submitted to one of the professors who actually goes through uh, and all that. So and and there is a proper contact program that happens when you know I think twice in the year all the all the mentees are brought to the college and you know there's a face to face that happens with you know the entire diaspora so uh, it's it's a proper course it's it's like you're graded on those courses so it's wow. it's not that it's it's not like a, you know okay guys who are interested can opt yeah. in for it yeah. it's 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 like everybody does it so and and that's that's a good thing right because uh, yeah. once everybody does it it's no longer a a taboo doing it because then some people will be like hey I as well you know study Great. or I as well play or you know I, uh, so, so it's a good thing, is like because you know there's this time earmarked. You got to do it. So, uh, and that's when you actually you know make it a practice. Uh, so so every once in a week we used to like I used to catch a bus and go down to mud. So and then cross cross you know the mud lake and then go into that jetty there. Yeah. To to, so, to mentor the uh, my mentee. So yeah that 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 was that was really a, uh, an interesting time you know to kind of uh, see life at those quarters as well.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Well, oh, that that's really that's really good. I have. I'm blown away. I have, I have no no words. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome, and and yeah, it's really interesting. I'm seeing that you did um, Saha Zero Waste in Egyptura, And That's so close to where I live.
1: <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So they have a composting facility there. So, I, so they actually really? take uh, wet waste and compost it into manure there. So so yeah, I, I, so it was a part of my internship project again. You know, like
0: uh, yeah, so. I feel so bad now. It's so close to where <laughs> I've lived. A lot of my years and now i don't know anyway probably the next time i go back to india i'm probably like going to get actively involved in
1: some way
2: <laughs> yeah good, yeah, good inspiration <laughs> from you <laughs> yeah
1: yeah you should you should absolutely
0: awesome awesome so so you know going back to the topic of uh, the mba institute did did you ever consider or try you know the more popular ones like the iams and the isb
1: uh so uh so very honestly i i I actually didn't try the ISB. Right. Uh, uh, while of course you know uh, there was a common uh, so there is a CAT and and uh, so I wrote CA, uh, the CAT and the yeah. XAT which is
0: uh, oh yeah the
1: ZAT, uh, which is for yeah. XLR, right yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: uh,
1: So uh, so the the interesting thing is that so while I, I gave the CAT exam and uh, uh, I didn't I didn't make it into any of the IMs, hmm. uh, but uh, the good thing was that so. Uh, SPJN was admitting scores from both CAT and ZAT mm. and uh, I got roughly around the same percentile which was around I think 93-94 percentile mm. in both mm. and I applied with both my scores so I actually don't know whether I got in through CAT or ZAT <laughs> <Okay>. but, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah I mean this was uh, one of the admit calls that I got that I was really looking uh, you know I was really looking forward to the call uh, so yeah, once that converted, then yeah, I, I really didn't think again. So Yeah, yeah, fair
0: enough. Yeah, I know I, I, I tried for the IAMs as well. I You obviously did much better than me. I think I got like 89 or something and I failed so miserably. And I was like, I, I the thing is, I had never had the motivation. Somehow I was hoping I wouldn't get in IAMs <laughs> because I was like, I had some experience by then, you know, about three years, like the same as you. And I was seeing all these students coming right out of university and getting into the IAMs and I was like maybe I don't know maybe I'll be a little senior as compared to where they're getting in (laughs) that was the impression I had Uh, so anyway and I was really keen to try somewhere abroad so yeah (laughs) Mm. that was that. So, how did your exchange program at ESP go? So, so that that also I assume is a part of um, the curriculum. Now, that was that the only choice you had in terms of exchange university, or did you have like other choices or?
1: Uh, so uh, so very honestly, I think uh, uh, so the first part of the question, right So uh, hmm. when when I was doing my MBA it was not not necessarily a part of the curriculum. it was hmm. it was really? uh, it was yeah it was an option given to students and, and then uh, students who wanted to exercise the exchange program could go. Uh, while I understand that now it's a part of the curriculum wherein you know people actively like all, all the students actively go on an exchange program and yeah. and they exchange students who come into into the campus in Bombay uh but i think uh, the the time i went uh, we were i think the first batch or the second batch that was actually being sent on exchange so uh yeah so it was really exciting uh, <laughs> in terms of uh, uh in terms of going to a different country trying to understand uh, and and again it was it was germany that we were going uh, right. we were about yeah. six of us who went on exchange together and uh, uh and and the good thing about it was that uh Uh, you know it was it uh, in ESB itself uh, it was it was a very very diverse classroom that we had Mm. Uh, so while we took you know six courses there over a span of two and a half months uh, the the classroom that we had was very very mixed so while there were Germans there were also people from Ukraine from China from Russia who were who were a part of the course and of course you know like like most uh, MBA uh, curriculums you know there were a lot of group work so you kind of get to work with you know really very diverse set of people and of course very diverse thinking very diverse cultures uh, so you try and understand you know uh, uh, very very diverse set of audience in terms of how they react what is their culture uh, you know what makes them take etc so so this, this this was a really eye-opening experience especially working closely with with a very diverse set of people uh, so yeah i think this was, this was a wonderful experience
0: yeah uh, yeah so how, how many cool. months
1: was that so this was around two months, a little over right, two right. months uh, that that we in Germany. Uh, so yeah, again, uh, we we of course uh, since there were six of us and you know uh, since all of us were students, so obviously you know students means you are on a you are on a shoestring budget. Yeah. So uh, in the in the process you learn how to do a lot of things like you learn how to cook. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> every day you can't be eating outside and you know you're, you're not at uh, luxury of earning and uh, and all that. So, so So we eventually learned how to do a lot of things right. So we learned how to cook. Uh, We learned how to, of course, uh, you know, travel from one place to another without spending or shelling out too much money. Yeah. Uh, Because while we are in Europe, we also you know wanted to hang around, see a lot of places, etc. So, so yeah, we did a lot of that, had a lot of fun, and of course, you know, unlike, I would say, at least uh, you know, unlike the kind of uh, the Indian system wherein there is. A, a lot of deadlines a lot of pressure etc uh, it was a little more relaxed in terms of they give you a lot more time for reflection mm. so when uh, so typically you have not more than 2 3 lectures in a day and then the rest of the day is for you to reflect on what happened uh, so so while we did reflect we also <laughs> you know positively utilized the time in terms of you know going to other places of course, visiting yeah. a lot of europe so so yeah i think yeah that that was a great experience actually uh, which again came as a result of the exchange program
0: nice that's really good so so you did quite a lot in those two years right i mean you did internship in in bangalore you did an internship in bombay and then you went to germany that's that's quite a lot in two years
2: <laughs>
1: yeah i think uh, it's quite action packed right i mean mm. an mba from SPN is uh, is is fairly action packed and i'm sure from from all uh, B schools, wherein you know, especially if you have exchange, you have internships, so yeah. you're on your toes most of the time. You know, you're you you hardly have, let's say, the time to you know sleep or rest. You're, you're generally doing something on the other. And it's very enjoyable. It's not that you're you're drained or you're you know, you're completely uh, taxed out and say that you know, oh my God, I can't do anything more. But you really enjoy the experience because there's a lot of energy. You have a lot of peers who are. You know with you or who are working with you or who are up till late in the night doing assignments and stuff like that so yeah so yeah it's a, it's a lot of fun yeah
0: <laughs> yeah fantastic fantastic so so you you know when you actually did go into the mba uh, you obviously must be having some expectations now how did the reality of an mba match with your expectations was it better or did it fall short <laughs> yeah what, what was what was the reality like
1: uh yeah, so uh, I think a couple of things where I relate to what you said, right? So, for example, uh, uh, so we had four streams within SPGN. So, there is operations, there is uh, marketing, uh, sales and marketing, mm-hmm. there is information management, and there is finance. Mm. Uh, so, I joined the the sales and marketing uh, stream, and uh, we were about 45 students in the specialization of sales and marketing, and… and uh, I was, I think, one of the oldest within that uh, within the batch of 45, right? So, we were just three, four of us who had three years experience, I think, right. the rest of them were, were either, you know, in a couple of months or who had just finished engineering or who, at max, were one year into experience, etc. So, we just, I think, three, four of us who had actually three years experience. So, so I relate to what you said when you said that, you know, I would have been like the oldest guy. So <laughs> I, yeah. So, I, I completely get it. But um uh, i think that that there's while while that's one way of it i think there was a lot of positive to it because you yeah. get a very different perspectives from uh people who, who would uh, basically people who, have, who haven't worked before like like for example uh, uh the fresher, so to speak have a very different perspective about uh, approaching problems about 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 dealing with certain case studies for example um so uh, you know uh, very interestingly we had a very diverse group in in our second year wherein we had Uh, One fresher, and then of course there was me with three years experience, and the other Mm -hmm. two people had you know one year, two years experience. So uh, since it was a very diverse group, there was a lot of healthy, uh, I would say, arguments that used to happen that you know this is the approach that we should take, or versus this, etc. But then we typically came to a consensus in the end, you know, when you are when a deadline is looming. But I think that's good because it gives you a very diverse set of experiences to deal with, and 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 retrospectively, I think that's what happens in a workplace, right? Correct. Uh, not everybody comes from the same background that you are. Uh, not everybody is that in the same comfort zone that you are. So you know, at, and many times within work, you know, you need to kind of carry the team along and you know get to an aligned point of view towards uh, doing what you're doing. So I think that that kind of uh, that kind of you know starts off with with the course itself, right? Because in MBA you get that you get yeah. a very diverse set of people. Uh, people from very different states one of course you know somebody from delhi somebody from bombay i was from bangalore so very different upbringing very different culture and very different points of view towards life yeah so that's really great because you know it kind of uh, it exposes you to a very wide variety of uh, of uh, things that you can anticipate in the future so i think that's that's good um, so I, again as i was saying right probably didn't expect to be the oldest Personally, yeah. <laughs> the, in, the, in the in the in the group, but I I think it it went off really well because it kind of uh, increased my exposure again to you know uh, very different kind of people. So yeah, so that yeah. that was good. Nice,
0: yeah. absolutely brilliant, brilliant. So so yeah, okay, good. So you finished your MBA and then you joined Mondelius. Uh, yeah. International as area sales manager, and you went up to Orissa. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. yeah, what was your decision making at that point of time? Um, <laughs> was there a particular reason you joined Modellis? Like, um, was it a deliberate uh, reason to try and shift more into FMCG after working at Procter and Gamble and internship? Or yeah, what what was your thought process at that point of time?
1: <laughs> so uh, I interned with the PNG during mm-hmm. my during my um, B school days, and, and PNG was like a very coveted internship you know i mean it's 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 typically the first or the second company that comes on campus in terms of an fmcg mm. placement and and uh, more so again around 2010-12 was a time when fmcg was the most you know hottest uh, sector to be in from a marketing and a sales perspective right, right. So, uh typically because you know there is a lot of uh, uh, because i think in in a b school also uh, uh, you really fancy a marketing role more than anything else in the world because you know there is this entire ad campaign that you can work on, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. So there, there, there's a lot of hope and expectation that marketing is going to be that, that you know, that cloud in the sky where you, where you're going to <laughs> deliver all of this. Um, so this is why I think a, a lot of influence was around, you know, how, how can, how can you crack it uh, into an FMCG kind of an internship, and that's when PNG happened. Um, so PNG was was a great internship. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't get the PPO. Uh, and since I didn't get the PPO, then I had to go back into placements in my finals as well. What is PPO? And, Sorry? Uh, PPO is a pre-placement offer. So, after ah, you intern with the company. Right, uh, right So, there right. were three of us who interned with the company. And then one of them was offered the PPO. As right, in they I give see. you an offer after you intern intern with the company. Cool, cool. And uh, unfortunately, I didn't make it into the PPO of P&G. Which mm-hmm. retrospectively was good because then uh, I had the opportunity to work with Cadbury.
0: And, yeah, uh, nice. Uh,
1: so yeah, Cadbury in uh, erstwhile Cadbury, it's now Mondelius. So, uh, so Mondeley's happened uh, as a part of campus, and again, uh, it was it was I think after a very long time that Mondelius was coming on campus, etc. Yeah. Uh, so again, uh, it, it was again in the finals it was one of the first few companies that came on campus, and and lucky for me I could make it into Cadbury. So uh, it it was it was it was good fun because uh, uh, you you basically join as a management trainee. so you are you join as a set of uh, I think we are about 20. 5 to 30 people from various b schools across country like including iim Ahmedabad, calcutta iit right. uh, spj and everywhere so so you, you join as a bunch of a lot of people of course many in different specializations i was in sales there were people in finance people in operations yeah. and uh, so the, so that bond of those 30 people became very close because you do your first one or two months together in terms of your training inductions etc and uh, and then the, the day comes you know when the sales guys are said that okay you know, pack your bags and you know you go to <laughs> You go to some place and you know do your do your stints. Yeah. So uh, so I then did my did my uh, we call it uh, SO stint. It's a sales officer. Right. Basically, you try you go to the field and try to understand what a sales officer in Cadbury does. Uh, you shadow a sales officer. You understand what his daily life is like right. on, the working, on a working on day etc. So so I was posted in Tirunelveli, which is in Tamil Nadu. Yeah. Uh so. <laughs> So I I, I I was in Madurai for about uh, two months and for about two months in Tirunelveli,
2: right? And
1: uh, for about one month in Nagarkoil. So this is all you know, rural Tamil Nadu and yeah. Tamil Nadu, uh, which was again fun and interesting because I don't know uh, a single word of Tamil and you know I really <laughs> had
2: to
1: uh, get my way across uh, rural Tamil Nadu. So that that was that was a lot of fun again. Uh, but then, post that, you know, I thought to myself, okay, I've done a stint in Tamil Nadu without knowing one word of Tamil. What's the worst that can happen?
2: Yeah, <laughs> and, and
1: that's when you know you get your final posting, and that's Orissa. So, right. so, uh, so so that was also uh, a good learning experience because again, Orissa uh, was was uh, is was the entire state that I handled in terms of an area sales manager. Uh, again, my first uh, delivery stint, I would say, again, two years in Orissa, I handled uh, the entire uh, traditional trade. Uh, again, this was a team setup. So then you you are you are you own the entire uh, numbers that the territory is delivering for the for the uh, for the brand Cadbury yeah. itself. And then of course uh, you understand a lot about the market because you know Risa, the market is very different. It's it's although it's one of the poorest states in the country, uh, it, it is very rich in minerals. You know, yeah. so uh, uh, so you have uh, so you have a set of profile in terms of business or distributors who who will who will who will pay to a certain extent. So you understand a lot of business dynamics. Uh, staying in that region, understanding the people there, understanding the cuisines, understanding uh, the environment there. So uh, that was again a, a very wonderful exposure where I worked for around two years.
0: Yeah, yeah, fantastic. So, so from Mondelēz, you know, if a Cadbury, from from there, you went to OLX. Now, you know, when you're working in Cadburys and mondelez you're working on products where you can where you can put your hand on you can feel it yeah. you can actually touch it and it's you know chocolates and confectionery so it's it's a market that which sounds very uh, obvious like how do you yeah. position it now from there you went to like OLX I'm assuming that was very online that was very intangible so how how did you manage yeah. to make that shift from you know FMCG to you know something that's kind of imaginative or in the air <laughs> yeah yeah
1: so uh, see olx was largely uh, i mean uh, if if uh, the time around uh, mm. 2014 uh, was really the time that i i i personally wanted to move into the online space right and, uh, of course there was a lot of uh, boom happening in the in the in the online space in the technology space right. the internet era and uh, and that's where I consciously actually wanted to move into the online space uh, I see. As, as a as a career decision. Yeah. Having said that, I think OLX uh, one of and while of course this was a factor that was playing on at the back of my mind, I think one of the very interesting things about OLX was uh, a this was OLX was not really a sales role; it was a marketing role. And uh, and and when I say marketing, if you look at OLX, right, it's like a classified yeah. uh, website, right? Uh, so it's like Craigslist in the US, right? So yeah. your, your buyer is a consumer, your seller is a consumer. So it's ac to C2C space.
0: Correct. Or like eBay that, or something along those lines here. Yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, you're right. I mean, eBay is more auction driven. Here right. it's like That's pure true. marketplace. That's true. Yeah. There is no auction, you know, there you're is. Right. You, can, you can do multiple bids or, or whatever, you know. So you're no right. Box. So
0: Craigslist is like the closest reference. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. Uh, so essentially, uh, what what we did here was that uh, we were trying to create a market for classifieds in India.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so a there was there was there was a there was a complete white space in terms of creation of a category and a market itself, which was you know creation of the online classified space, and uh, secondly and more importantly since it was a marketing role and since the buyer and the uh, you know the buyer and the seller is a consumer. Uh, the only way to reach out to a consumer is to market right is to is to make them aware about the category
0: yeah
1: uh, so it was a lot about building the category and, and when i say marketing role we actually did a lot of very innovative and fantastic marketing campaigns to reach out to people and tell them you know what olx is all about that it's an online classifieds how is it so simple to buy and sell online how how it's how it's a simple three step process etc so so we had a lot of atl going on which is above the line which included mm. you know, television radio print uh, campaigns, etc., that that I had the opportunity to work on and, and execute, uh, but also in terms of you know kind of creation of a category which was very very nascent because in India there's a lot of taboo when it comes to buying something secondhand, um, so it was kind of trying to break and address those taboos that also uh, were held within the Indian belief system. So I think that was a that was a very interesting challenge. So yeah, I think large part of my work was around you know how do I how do I ensure that you know? Uh, a, of course, you know, drive the business metrics, which is your listings on the platform, etc. Yeah. But also try to create a category which is largely you know untapped or you know not or very nascent in the in the in the region. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So so a few questions around that. So first of all, how big was OLX back then?
1: Uh, so. Uh, <sighs> If I remember right, I was—I think I was the 60, 60th employee to join. I think 60th right. or 62nd, something like that. Yeah. And uh, of course, by the time I left, it was—it uh, was more than five or six times that size. So, wow. So of course, it it, it grew very rapidly. Uh, and and uh, and of course, uh, not just in terms of the number of employees, but the way the business or the net listings. Or, or, you know, traffic on the platform, etc. scale was also exponential uh, because, of course, uh, we did a lot of awareness generation and a lot of categories that we focused on at that point of time were very consumer relevant. For example, Mm. cars as a category or sofas and cell phones as a category because today, obsolescence of cell phones is very high. So, certain categories that we worked on in the C2C space really, you know, uh, had a lot of uptick uh, in terms of… transactions so yeah fairly interesting because it was it was completely white space at at that point of time uh, yeah
0: so yeah yeah fair enough so so you transitioned from you know non-offline sorry non-online offline to online was was something that was conscious but in terms of transition from sales to marketing now what was your thought process in that why did you want to move from sales to marketing is it because um you you saw more potential opportunity in marketing and online or is it because you just wanted a change <laughs> uh,
1: no uh you know like i think I, I i told you a little earlier also is that uh a you know i think uh uh, what I look for, especially when it comes to a change or or something new that I'm doing, is what what is the learning that I'm going to have from yeah. this? You know, what is the yeah. what is the new exposure that I'm going to have in this? And of course, you know, a different role gives you a, a very different exposure in terms of how you how do you work with a certain kind of uh, partners, etc. So, for example, you know, in sales and and what I was doing on Otis, I was largely working with very big distributors that we had and trying to understand, you know, how do I increase secondary offtake in the market? How do I increase tertiary offtake, etc. Hmm. and it was it was largely kind of managing the entire distribution setup or distributor setup with the with the team that i had of sales officers uh with with the uh, with olx actually it was a very different play because it was now i was suddenly working with agencies and uh, marketing agencies again work on a very different bandwidth and work on a very different uh scale and and very different you know way of working yeah so because largely these are creative agencies which will give you creative inputs and then uh, there is a while, while there's a lot of objectivity that comes with sales because it's a very, you know, it's a it's a hardcore number that Correct. you're kind of delivering, etc. Uh, there's a lot of subjectivity that comes with marketing. Uh, but at the same time, uh, at the end of the day, you know, when you are being reviewed, you're being questioned, it, it's still on objective numbers uh, sense, right? Um, so uh, I think, uh, marketing this the marketing stint a of course gave me an exposure to you know how how to work with the agencies how to deliver an output that's mm. uh, that's not just you know good but you know it's it's the best in the market that's going out at that point in time but uh, also in terms of how do you quantify that and how do you kind of uh, put a sense around you know uh, getting a number to it so that it's it's ensuring that uh, whatever you campaigns you're doing or whatever that you're trying to execute from marketing perspective at the end of the day is achieving the business objective that you actually set out or you know designed for. So, so I think yeah, that that gave me a very very you know holistic sense of both the sales and marketing perspective, which was which was I think you know very much required.
0: Yeah, as, yeah. As,
1: as you
0: go on. Yeah, absolutely great, great. So you stayed in Wilix for almost two years, two years, just a short yeah. of two years. So and then yeah. you moved to Flipkart. Now, yeah. I think that was I mean looking back, uh, you can you can correct me, but Flipkart was obviously a good move, right? Because Flipkart was making a lot of waves. <laughs> Uh, back then but <laughs> it yeah, what, yeah it still is actually yeah so yeah what, what was your process at that point of time did you get an opportunity in Flipkart did you consciously try for it um, uh, is there something specific you wanted to learn out of Flipkart that you were not going to get out of OLX yeah what was your thought process at that point of time
1: yeah I think uh, I think Flipkart for me was uh, largely in terms of trying to understand uh, the, 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 the main sector uh, which mm. is e-commerce per se right mm. so while OLX largely dabbles in the e-classified space, uh, which uh, which which even today, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that it's it's past the curve. Like, like for example, the adoption of classifieds in the U.S. is far more, or not just U.S., in, even in the advanced economies, is far more when yeah. compared to a place like India, where uh, even today, you know, the adoption of classifieds is fairly restricted when it comes to a consumer-to-consumer platform. Correct. Uh, unlike probably a business-to-business platform adopts it a lot quickly. Uh, I think with with uh, with Flipkart, a of course you know it was the understanding of the entire e-retail and e-commerce space.
2: Yeah. I think
1: uh, that that is that is definitely something that I wanted to learn. I wanted to get my hands dirty with, etc. And uh, I think the biggest thing that came out of Flipkart for me was you know understanding the power and potential and how to handle scale, uh, because the scale that Flipkart was operating at, being the largest e-commerce player in the country, was phenomenal. So so yeah. uh, uh, while while I worked in a team called Demand Shaping and Growth a lot of our daily challenges, daily problems were in terms of how do you, how do you build a process, build a solution that is kind of solving for such a massive scale on the platform. Mm. Because uh, any one thing that can go wrong can have a multiplier effect on your CX and UX, etc. So how do you ensure that, you know, whatever you're solving for, whether it is a demand shaping lever or whether it is a business call that you need to take, how is it not impacting or not breaking down when the scale is got to be multifold? So uh, I think that sense of scale and the sense of, uh, you know, uh, the enormity of, of what we were delivering at uh, Flipkart was was really a great uh, uh, learning curve.
0: Yeah, yeah, fantastic. So, yeah, how how was your experience at Flipkart as compared to OLX in terms of, you know, the organization processes and the culture and the teams uh, and, and even in terms of your role? So obviously you worked in sales first and then you worked in marketing and then you worked on growth, which I'm assuming is it's 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 a combination of factors isn't it that the growth is yeah. not purely marketing not not purely sales but you need to know a bit of both
2: <laughs> yeah so yeah. Yeah. so
0: yeah how did the experience at flipkart you know compare with some of your previous role like what were you able to take away and what were some of the new things you had to learn
1: yeah i think uh, this role was very different from uh, from both the mm. previous roles that i had done in the past lastly because uh, as you rightly said it was a growth role uh, uh and and also uh, you know I mean this was this was not a role where a you know I had to go or interact with clients or, mm. or you know, I had to interact with certain brands per se because there were an entire category team and a sales team that was doing that. Uh, but uh, and and secondly, from a marketing perspective, we also had a central marketing team that used to drive central campaigns of Flipkart.
2: Mm-hmm. I think
1: the team that I worked with, which was largely demand shaping and growth, uh, kind of stitched everything together when it came to you know the platform itself, which meant that uh, I worked in a horizontal team. Mm. And since it was a horizontal team, we worked very closely with a lot of vertical teams within Flipkart. So, I worked very closely with each category team, and like every category, of course, has its own business unit head, has its own category managers, has its own sell site head, etc. Uh, also worked very closely with the uh, business finance, with marketing, with with the operations team, with uh, with the product managers. Mm. So uh, since it was such a such, since it was a horizontal role with with such a diverse exposure, I actually, kind of got to work very closely with a lot of people from very diverse functions. So it a gives you a lot of empathy and understanding in terms of what their function does, what it delivers and what yeah. it does for the entire platform and the organization. Uh, at the same time, uh, you you are also in charge of something as big as, as, as an event like a big billion day or a big shopping day. And given the enormity of the event that you are delivering, uh, it is up to you to kind of align agendas to ensure that you know everybody is on the same page when it comes to delivery. Everybody is on the same page when it comes to you know ensuring timelines, deadlines, etc. Uh, so, so while uh, it it was a large part of the role was also in terms of uh, uh, ensuring that our deliveries, especially when it came to executing marquee sale events,
2: yeah. were
1: on the dot and not getting missed out and and of course demand shaping during not just a business as usual but demand shaping during a marquee sale event also is is a lot of uh, lot of fun and a lot of pressure because you know typically you're chasing a very steep target so how do you kind of demand shape towards ensuring that targets and objectives are met so yeah yeah that was that was that was the challenge and the fun
0: of the role yeah that's really interesting because because i'm working in a growth uh, role right now and I, I i was in product management for many years so i'm starting right. to appreciate uh the differences in the roles and it, it is very cross functional right it, it is something as you mentioned is very horizontal and you know interacting with so many verticals in the same thing. but it's also so much data driven um, right. I, I don't know what what your experience was did, did you find that you had to learn a lot of data analysis like understanding patterns of behavior as compared to you know just focusing on one or two key personas
1: <laughs> absolutely no in fact i i think I, I fully agree with you and i think one of the greatest things that uh, uh, that flipkart as an organization actually brings to the table is mm. is is uh is their hunger for experimentation yeah right? so uh, you know, for example, I think as 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 a team, our team itself have, would have run at least countless A/B tests to validate hypothesis that you know what works and what doesn't work. And uh, and these A/B tests actually and and you know, I mean, uh, while there's a lot of data that can come out in terms of supporting certain hypothesis versus versus certain other, and of course today you know data can also be kind of shaped towards the hypothesis that you're building. Yeah. But uh, we we had a lot of freedom in terms of experimentation with A/B tests. And A/B test actually gave us results very quickly to say that hey, this is good to scale or this is this this is a dud and doesn't work. And 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 we were completely okay with failing in some of the A/B tests, but there yeah. was a lot of freedom given to test out your hypothesis. And if the hypothesis is working or if it's not working, uh, then you could take decisions uh, you know uh, accordingly. Yeah. So I think that was that was great because you know while of course uh, uh, on a platform of that big scale, like being the largest e-commerce player, you get, you have like. Tons and tons of data with you that's flowing in every day because every consumer has a certain journey and every journey is linked to certain products, certain categories, certain behaviors. Um, but, you know, getting a sense out of those data and making the right hypothesis and then doing tests is something that, you know, we, we used to do very constantly and rigorously to kind of
2: keep yeah, improving exactly. the demand
1: shaping.
0: Exactly. And, and I was about to say on the scale, you know, because because the volume and scale is so big that you're, you're, you're probably able to get the statistical significance also much yes. faster. That means you're, you're able right. to like, you know, prove or disprove the hypothesis. I mean, it's like a data haven, right? <laughs> Working in that kind of environment.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, I mean, uh, for even, even if like the test control is a 90-10, you know, yeah. that, that's also fairly enough by running a one week experiment, you have probably validated results. Correct. So, yeah, that's that's the big advantage that you have with the scale, you know, uh, you can really validate quickly and execute quickly.
0: Yeah, yeah, fantastic. I mean, so how, how big was uh, Flipkart when you joined as compared to when you left OLX? Like, were you, were you joining a bigger team or smaller team? Or uh, uh, So, uh,
1: of course, I was joining a bigger team. I mean, right. not just in terms of the organization per se, because of course, uh, Flipkart, is and was you yeah know, uh, a fairly big organization even when i joined uh, but uh, from a team perspective definitely it was bigger because uh, 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 see in olx when i moved into a marketing role mm. most of the marketing execution actually happened through our agency so it was I largely see. like an like an individual contribution role i
2: see uh, bec-
1: and, and and this and again it was a departure for me because in cadbury i was leading a team and then i moved to olx where it was an individual role and then I moved back into uh, to a role with Flipkart where again I had to manage a team. Um, so again, uh, it it was a difference in terms of, of course, managing people versus not managing people. But I think more so, I think uh, the bigger thing for me was, of course, the organization was pretty big, pretty pretty well spread out, and uh, the the challenge here was really establishing certain set of processes and 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 ways of working that could really handle scale. You know, because that was the biggest challenge that. Uh, that was there at flipkart
0: yeah right? yeah yeah fantastic so so i mean everything is going so well why why leave flipkart why move on from <laughs> flipkart you what what's the story behind that
1: uh so yeah i mean uh, honestly i think uh, uh, from a from a delivery perspective i think uh, o- over the two years that i was at flipkart i think i would have done around i think around 19 or 20 sale events <laughs> at flipkart wow and uh, and uh, yeah that's a lot <laughs> which <laughs> means uh, which means of course two big billion days which were marquee sale events for wow. flipkart which typically happened during you know the the, the the Sarah time and outside of that of course there are a lot of big and small events big big shopping days your end of season yeah. sale and yeah. so on and so forth right so so uh i i mean of course that since there, there were a lot of back to back sale events that i had you know kind of been a part of um i really thought you know uh, let's 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 try and learn something new in terms of you know uh, increasing exposure again, as I said. Mm. And at that point of time, you know, Swiggy just just uh, kind of happened at that time. Uh, and uh, of course, uh, Swiggy also is is fairly uh, you could say in a hyper growth yeah. uh, phase right now because of the entire food tech industry and where it's headed, etc. Correct. Uh, and 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 this was a this was a this was again a role that brought me back uh, really to you know the sales kind of a setup. So. Uh, again, it was it. It's a role that's uh, largely you can say a sales role, right? But uh, kind of drives the growth for the sales partners or the client partners that I work with. So, so it leveraged the strengths that I had learned in the previous roles.
0: Exactly. You know, that, I was really curious. So, what does the director of national accounts mean? <laughs> um, so, what <laughs> what exactly do you do?
1: <laughs> yeah. So, basically, national accounts essentially for Swiggy. So, uh, again, uh, you know, Swiggy is basically a food tech mm. app, right? It's a it's a food delivery app. Uh, so, essentially, it cons- connects consumer to the favorite restaurants that they want to order from and, and ensures there's delivery of food there, yeah. you know, uh, like, like the Uber Eats, Livroo, and so on. Great. Uh, so, essentially, uh, national accounts for a platform like us essentially mean, uh, A, accounts that have a multi-city presence, and typically, uh, accounts that have a centralized decision-making structure. I uh, see. What this means for us is like uh, QSRs, largely QSRs, like your... Uh, Domino's, Burger King, Pizza Hut—you know all all, right. the, all the bigger chains, so to speak. What
0: is QSR? Uh, What's the What does it mean? Uh,
1: so QSR basically stands for quick serve restaurants. Ah, so these are these are typically chain restaurants that have uh, right, right, right. not only standardized menus and standardized processes of making food, uh, but also they have fairly fairly truncated, you can say, preparation times of food, and uh, they have uh, and, and and they have a multi-city and a multi you know you can say franchisee presence within yeah. the country. Uh, so typically they have a centralized decision making structure when it comes to executing something on a platform hmm. so those 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 accounts are basically referred to as national accounts which have a hmm. national presence so to speak so so yeah
0: i see so so you, your job is to try and grow that number uh, is, is that what the goal is
1: uh, so largely my job is to kind of ensure that av Healthily and actively engage with these national partners to grow their business on the platform. Right. Uh, essentially, you know, how do you kind of let's say uh, grow their uh, their output or mm. number of orders that they are garnering on the platform through through you know various measures that can be done jointly on the platform. So, I largely, it's how do you increase their uh, share of business on the platform.
0: I see. I see. I see. So you, you, your job doesn't end by just bringing them onto the platform. Your job actually continues by showing or demonstrating performance on the platform as well.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Our job, our, uh, you know, the biggest job that me and my team drive is largely after they come on board. You know, how do you deliver growth for them? Yeah. Because, uh, because you know, signing them on is probably uh, just the first step. But I think the proof of the pudding is, you know, the execution, which is largely demonstrating growth for their brand, for their uh, set of restaurant uh, restaurants on the platform. Yeah. So that's that's the main thing about the job. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I'm really excited to see where Swiggy goes as well. I mean, the last time I came to India, I, I did not know that such a company exists. But then once we discovered it was such a pleasure using that because in London, delivery was really popular. Um, that's where I am right now. And Uber Eats is trying to get in, but honestly, I've never used Uber Eats and I know very few people who have used uh, Uber yeah. Eats over here. So I'm really excited to see where this space goes in India. Yeah. Oh, awesome, awesome. So, you know, tying, tying it back to the MBA as, as such. So, you know... What are some of the factors that you're able to take away from your MBA, you know, that has influenced over time in, in all of these jobs that you worked in? Is there something specific that stands out? Is there something that you think, you know, you learned during MBA, but you've never actually ever gotten a chance to use it?
1: <laughs> uh, I think there's a lot in MBA that you learn, but you really don't get a chance to use it, right? Uh, and... and uh, <laughs> But yeah, I think uh, uh, while that's on the lighter side, I think mm. uh, uh, there there is a lot that uh, that I think I, w- I would have probably picked up from my MBA, and I think the one of the key things that uh, largely I think it comes from your peer group and the faculty that teaches you is is being open to learn, right?
2: Mm. Being
1: open to having a very diverse exposure, right? Because I think uh, I think while a lot of us, especially when we're making our career choices, our career decisions. Uh, Get either very siloed or stuck with what we we believe as our core competence, yeah, or what we believe that you know this is a comfort zone and this is what I want to do and you know probably this is the best thing to do and hence I don't want to do something else, um, and and it still happens with a lot of a uh, lot of people that I speak to who are you know aspiring to do MBA or or are in their first or second jobs right uh, who who talk about you know. Uh, i want to do only a product role and nothing outside of that i think uh, yeah uh, i think that's where i think mba taught me to be a little more open to be a little more uh, i think uh, okay with with doing things that are not in your comfort zone because that's where learning begins uh, like for example you know I, I would have never anticipated to have learned so much in orissa or in a, or mm-hmm. in a tirunelveli but but i think those were wonderful years because retrospectively you you pick up a lot of things from there but you really don't anticipate that right so um, i think that was one of the one of the very big uh, very big takeaways because uh, going into an mba I, I really didn't think that you know again uh, as as i said you know i really didn't think that i would be mentoring a slum child or going into a slum but yeah. you know retrospectively it teaches you a lot of things it teaches you to be open it teaches you to be grounded and I think those things I still carry with me uh, in, you know, in, in my current roles as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you have been no stranger to, you know, getting out of your comfort zone. You, you have made shifts in your role that uh, traditionally a lot of people might be like, hey, what if I stick around here for maybe a couple of years and I'll just grow in this particular career field, but you've actually made some of the brave shifts. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So, so you, you know, you, you, you have been pretty well influenced in some of the startup space in India at least in the last few years um, have you ever considered starting something on your own? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so uh, uh, so while I've thought about it a couple of times I mm-hmm. mean uh, very honestly I think uh, uh, I've, I've really not really uh, you can say built on something uh, which is which is tangible and ready to go to market Yeah. Uh, but yeah it's, it's something at the back of mind something yeah. that I definitely <laughs> want to do and uh, while there are a couple of ideas, I would say they are they are they are very very nascent in terms of uh, the stage they are in and, mm-hmm. and where they are. Uh, but you never know, you know. I mean, down the line, if things materialize, probably yeah, why not?
0: Yeah, exactly. And and you're in Bangalore, you know, which 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 is obviously <laughs> influenced by a lot of uh, startups that are coming up. I mean, so many spaces are getting disrupted. So uh, I'm sure that might be helpful as well.
1: Yeah, I think uh, you're right. I mean, in terms of you know Bangalore being a hub of uh, a lot of startups that have that have opened not just in the recent past i think but over the couple of years uh, a lot of startups uh, have opened up in bangalore and i think the ecosystem for startups here is also pretty healthy because it's not only in terms of uh, let's say availability of capital or availability of space but i think there are a lot of a uh, lot of very successful uh, mentors whom you could also find mm. in terms of uh, you know coaching for uh, for what they did you know what were the early mistakes where can you learn from them etc cetera, etc cetera. so there's there's a lot of uh, access to uh, to knowledge uh, to experience and and of course i think uh, nowadays there's a lot of ca- access to capital as well so, so
0: yeah. yeah 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 absolutely but but on the flip side what do you think of this uh, you know excess <laughs> access to capital because because on the flip side i know that um, you know, I, at least based on some of my conversations with some of the startup, you know, founders or early employees of startups, then, like right. in, in India, it's really it's it's really easy and good to get that kind of scale when you offer something for free. But then are you afraid there might be a bubble around the corner where these startups are getting a lot of money, but they're not making as much money and VCs will lose, you know, motivation to continue in it. <laughs> You're in that space. So what are your thoughts on that, if you have any <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, you. I think. I think this is uh, this is something that's been debated for I think over over half a decade now. Right? Because I mean, uh, uh, that you know when will the bubble burst? Or you know, and, and it and it's and to be very honest, you know, I think uh, it's not just startups, but even even the seasoned industries that have gone through a bust cycle, right? So yeah. whether it's it's the dot com bust or whether you know the IT uh, cycle, etc. Uh, I think it's a very valid concern, and I and I see. I think. Not just this business, but both businesses to be cyclical, wherein you know there will be an uptrend and then there will be a downtrend, etc. Uh, having said that, I think uh, irrespective of of the trend or the market or the sector, I think fundamentally, uh, if you are uh, if you are a company or an organization that's solving a fundamental pain point of a customer, hmm. uh, and 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 not just you know uh, like let's say delivering a delta value, but solving a fundamental pain point of a customer. I think then you are in it for the long run because uh, because while uh, you're right, the first few years, especially when you're building a consumer-facing platform, yeah. could be a high burn kind of a scenario. Uh, but if you can, let's say, uh, lock in in terms of customer stickiness and ensure that the customer is repeating on your platform and there's genuine value that you're adding to the customer's life, I think then there are various avenues, potential to to not just make money, but also kind of scale your platform with a very healthy... Uh, economics uh, attached to it. Um, so yeah, I think right now, I think most most of the organizations that uh, that you're referring to, uh, or yeah. even that I have been a part of, are largely in terms of hyper growth, and hence uh, there's a lot of capital being deployed for growth. Uh, but also because uh, if you look at the entire entire world, right, there are very few markets that are growing at the rate where Correct. India is growing, right. I mean there's probably just India and China that are growing at such a furious pace. So today, if if capital has to be invested in growth, then you know you have just one or two markets that you're looking at. So, uh, so yeah, I think that's bound to come in till probably yeah. you know growth probably not not even saturation, but I think when you start seeing a single digit growth, that's when uh, I think some questions will be asked and and probably certain <laughs> certain uh, breaks would be put in terms of the cash burn that's happening.
0: Yeah, exactly. Ecosystem. No, I'm I'm really positive, and I'm really you know. Uh, um optimistic as well i think i think one thing that i'm really interested in seeing is how do we balance the growth in urban environment versus uh, you know non-urban environment because sometimes it's so easy to get you know carried away by your own success but then when you look at the data you're like hang on but only a small section of the indian population is using our products because they are in this richer urban area but a massive percentage of the country is in non-urban or rural now unless they start adopting it i think the the one billion number doesn't mean much <laughs> yeah
1: and and i think that's a very very valid point that you made because see if you look at uh, if you look at look at the way most, uh, at least online companies are scaling up, there is a there is a very, very definite and a very conscious look towards tier 2, tier 3 markets. Because mm. uh, also we have to understand that, you know, the tier 2, tier 3 markets are probably a lot of consumers are first time using the internet on their smartphone. Yeah. They probably never used it on the desktop, never used it on, on a laptop. The first time internet uses is happening on, on the smartphone. So if you look at the evolution of smartphone as an industry itself, there's a bigger screen now and people are looking at videos there is an entire revolution of geo sims and hence low cost low cost of uh, you know internet mobile uh, connections etc so there there is of course an internet penetration uh, which is which is scaling up in tier 2 and tier 3 and on the back of that a lot of growth is being anticipated in terms of especially uh, these industries like e-commerce food tech etc which is actually going to play out on the back of you know internet penetration increasing in tier two tier three so yeah it's, it's an interesting play i would
0: say yeah yeah and and you know it's really exciting because you you mentioned mobile because that's where you think right in india nowadays when you think about these companies you think mobile first and in Absolutely. fact that's really interesting because even in the west you know being in london i know so many startups who are not thinking mobile first because they don't need to uh, because yeah. it doesn't come obvious but i think being in india so i think in that case india is probably going to drive the way to think about mobile first and uh, maybe in a few years the west will actually catch up to where india is right now so i'm really excited to see where that goes as well
1: yeah yeah absolutely
0: <laughs> awesome awesome fantastic i think i, I know we went a uh, little on a tangent over there <laughs> uh, so but but it's so interesting I'm, I'm pretty sure we can always continue at some point of time um sure. you know we're very close to the end uh, there's one question i ask everyone i'm gonna ask you um is there anything you wish I had asked you Uh, (laughs) uh, uh,
1: no I mean (laughs) I think it was a very freewheeling conversation so I think uh, uh, a lot of lot of things about uh, about what I did and you know my career and and what I've learned uh, it it was it was quite freewheeling so I, I can't think of anything specific that that you should have asked me or anything like that I think yeah it's pretty much
0: out there <laughs> awesome awesome and I, I don't want to keep you up for too long as well what time is it that it's close to midnight now isn't it yeah it's
1: yeah it's close to midnight yeah yeah really appreciate
0: yeah. you staying up so um no problem Katik, fantastic uh, for your time today really really appreciate the great conversation um you know if people want to know more about you or get in touch with you what's the best way to get in touch with you
1: uh so yeah i think uh, again i'm uh they can look me up on linkedin uh i'm there on cool. linkedin and they can probably uh yeah reach out to me for a connect
0: perfect perfect awesome yeah thanks yeah. a lot for your time again Karthik. really appreciated uh um, yeah thanks a lot for coming today
1: yeah absolutely pleasure speaking to you i had a wonderful time
0: awesome awesome take care then bye bye
1: okay thank you bye bye
0: Thank you for listening to The MBA Jam. Now it's time for you to take action. Head over to mbajam.com to listen to more episodes and discover great resources.